you could turn to Luke chapter 19, um, starting at verse 1. It's a story that will be familiar to many of us. And what I want to do is um, go through the account of Zacchaeus today and look at um, certain things to do with uh, the, the direction that Jubilee appears to be taking. <clears throat> we um, heard from Rob and Steve back at the family meeting we had not long ago that one of the directions of Jubilee is that we're going public this year. Um, this means that we're going to go through this year, we're going to have many events going on that are indeed going to happen, are happening, or are happening imminently. Um, we had the ladies' pamper night on Friday, which I hear was a great success. I wasn't there. Um, we've had cook with me nights once a month, which uh, have been really, really successful. Um, and I know people who've gone to them have got some great recipes from those. Uh, just worship events, where we've just come together and just worshipped. We've only had one, but it feels like we've had so many more um, because of the last one was just so amazing. Uh, we've got an imminent toddler group starting. Uh, Alison's setting up a toddler group to start here. Uh, very soon. Uh, the prominence of this building that we're in, we're in the middle of Solihull. Um, there's no more public really than being in the middle of Solihull on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, various projects are being undertaken to raise the profile of Jesus and Jubilee in this town. Uh, Steve uh, Wicking not long ago went and slept out uh, for the homeless uh, in Solihull and met some really influential people there. And we've got some other things happening as well that Steve's been sharing over the past few months. So I am really excited by what we're seeing and what we're going to see in this year alone at Jubilee, let alone any other churches and what else is going on around us. John Groves came to speak to us um, a few weeks ago and spoke a word over the church uh, that we have been given room by God. And I really believe uh, personally that this is going to be uh, uh, going public means that this, this room we've been given is both physical and spiritual and relates to growth as well. We've, we've got room to grow. There is room here. Uh, going public is going to mean growth and will mean people hearing about us, people hearing about Jesus and wanting to find out what Jubilee and ultimately what Jesus is all about. So how do we prepare to go public? And that's what I want to talk about a little bit today. Uh, it may have already started. We've been in preparation for a while. We're, we're in this place now. But I want to stop and think, reflect on the account of Zacchaeus in Luke's Gospel about how this can prepare us even further. We're going to be looking at three things today. We're going to be looking at how Zacchaeus responds to hearing that Jesus was in town. We're going to look at how Jesus and the crowd responds to Zacchaeus. And then we're going to look at how Zacchaeus responds back to meeting Jesus. So two responses from Zacchaeus and one response of Jesus and the crowd. It'll all become very clear, don't worry. I hope that as we go through this description of events uh, in, in, in this account, we will encourage, uh, be encouraged and further prepare uh, for what God is doing amongst us and what he is doing now. So I'm just going to pray and then we're going to read Luke 19. Father, I thank you for this position that we are in. Lord, I thank you that you've brought us to this place where we have room. Lord, I thank you for the encouragement that we've, we've heard through worship, that you are God. You are the famous one. You are the one that we need to look to. You are the one that sustains us. And Lord, I pray that as we go through this account, Lord, you would remind us of, of that. You would keep us sustained during this talk as well. And Lord, that you would uh, open our ears and our hearts to hear from you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, Luke 19, starting at verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho 
and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be with the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay him back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of God came to seek and save what was lost. So Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Now, tax collectors were not the most welcome of people um, in, this, in, the, in the New Testament times. Uh, but Luke tries to show some kind of sympathy to them by explaining throughout his, uh, throughout his writings in Luke uh, exactly what tax collectors did. So even it says in Luke 3.12, even tax collectors came to be baptized. It said all the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. That's Luke 7.29. Luke 18.10 says tax collectors were going to pray. And uh, in Luke 7 34, Jesus is a friend of sinners and tax collectors, it said. So Luke tries to give some kind of sympathy to tax collectors here, but tax collectors were seen as unsavory characters. Okay, In Roman law, taxes were collected, but the job of collecting them was apportioned out to the highest bidder. So let's say, for example, I was bidding against somebody else to try and gain taxes for the Romans. Romans have said, this congregation here needs to pay their taxes. And I would say, uh, I will offer £1,000 uh, to, know, to, to pay the taxes. Okay, So I will give you £1,000, Romans. That's what I'll collect. And then Steve would say, no, 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 I'll collect two and we'd have this bidding war as tax collectors and I would say, no, okay, £5,000. I will give you £5,000 as a tax collector and the Romans would say, done. So then it's my job to go and find £5,000 from the people. Um, the trouble is, is I'm a tax collector, so what I would do is if I had a thousand people, say, uh, I would go and collect five pounds, is that right? Is my maths good? Right, okay, from each person, but I wouldn't. I'd go and collect 15 pounds or collect 20 pounds, maybe, and then I would give the Romans five thousand and I'd pocket the rest, and everybody knew it was going on, but nobody could really stop it. So this job of collecting taxes was not the greatest job you could have had, um, he would have, Zacchaeus would have been very likely been a, known as a disrespected cheat in his community. The fact that he cheated then made him a sinner in people's eyes. Um, and to add insult to injury, the name Zacchaeus actually means righteous or pure one, which I think in the eyes of people he was cheating, he was anything but. Um, the status of this would have set him up to be an incredibly rich man. So we can kind of get the idea here that Zacchaeus was very rich uh, by, by cheating people out of money. Who knows how much he'd taken um, at that point and how much he was supposed to be giving to the Romans. 
So the introduction of Zacchaeus, according to Luke, is both positive and quite negative. Tax collectors have been portrayed by Luke with some sympathy. Jesus was friends with tax collectors. He really wants us to remember that. However, the wealth they accumulated was seen with a lot of disfavor. And uh, Luke reminds us of a story a little bit earlier on about a rich man who tried to get into heaven. And uh, Jesus Jesus said to him, would you uh, give up uh, everything? to get into heaven, and, and the rich man was like, no, no, I won't do that. So Luke, again, is reminding us that actually rich men, you know, this kind of rich man's idea of, of, of you know, wealth is not a very nice one. So that's the kind of starting point for Zacchaeus, the tax collector. And there are people in our society as well who may be viewed like tax collectors in the New Testament. I've got to be careful here. Bankers are often very wealthy people. <laughs> who have a stigma in society as being rich and wealthy by maybe being a little bit uh, not quite truthful. Of course, I'm going to put a disclaimer in here, I have no doubt there are bankers in our country who are honest and fair, uh, but the general perception is, put forward by the media maybe, that they are not. Okay, Jesus befriended people like this, and I think that is kind of quite a challenging statement for me. In a different way, we also have people from certain backgrounds in our town, or areas of our town maybe, uh, people with certain jobs, parents who are teenagers, who are viewed by society quite negatively. But Jesus would have befriended them, and indeed, he did. On the one hand, they are offered sympathy, and there's a lot of sympathy comes through for people who maybe are seen as social, uh, lower in, in society. But there is this stigma that follows them round, and that's that idea of, oh yes, but they're only a, they're only a this and that. As we go public at Jubilee, we're going to come across people more and more. Um, one commentary puts it so wonderfully, ambiguities of connection, which basically means, put more simply, there's uncertainties about people's backgrounds or society's view of them. So we're going to get people in who are, maybe don't quite fit society's norm. Maybe they don't fit where we kind of, where society outside sees them. Solihull has this real society idea of what is going on in Solihull. And there seems to be a standard to reach in Solihull. And that's not a negative thing. It's actually quite a good thing sometimes. But there just seems to be an imbalance, especially all over this country as well, of where society sees people. Are we ready for this? I think we are. That's one good thing. I want this uh, this talk to be an encouragement. It's certainly not a, uh, uh, we're not ready for this and we need to buck our ideas up. Um, it's an encouragement. Zacchaeus has the power of wealth and status. However, he seems to be worth very little among his society and actually he's outcast and rejected by it. So we're going to come across people who maybe uh, have a good a good status in their own um in their own thinking or their own circles but actually wider society might not see them as that. So what did Zacchaeus do? Well, Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was passing through his hometown of Jericho or the town where he was, it might not have been his hometown. Verse 3 says, and this is a, quite a key verse, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. He wanted to see who Jesus was. We can only assume that Zacchaeus had heard of this Jesus, this friend of tax collectors, and wanted to get a glimpse of him. I'm wondering, well, who is he? There was just one problem, though. Now, when I was younger, I used to go to Sunday school. And we used to sing a song, which I'm not going to sing now. 
But it goes, Zacchaeus was a very little man, and a very little man was he. He climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Savior he wanted to see. I'm not reading this, by the way. Uh, and for when the Savior passed that way, he looked up into the tree and said, Now, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm coming to your house for tea. Now, even when I was young, I never quite got why the uh, song emphasized Zacchaeus' size. Why being little would that have hindered him? Why was it in the Bible? And even reading for this, I was struggling, thinking, what's the point of putting in that he was little and small? So, so, so Zacchaeus was short and couldn't see over the crowds. Okay, I get that. Okay, I get the idea that Zacchaeus couldn't see over the crowds. Now, this video we're going to show here shows the Olympic torch. Um, Kate and I went down to see it in Harrow, where Kate's sister lives, and um, we watched the crowds. Okay, so let's just watch this and. There's an older gentleman just at the front who really got to me when I was there because he was just so excited to see the torch. Um, but that's the thing. There was lots of excitement there. There was lots of excitement. The crowds were gathered on the sides of the roads. The police were holding people back. People were trying to duck under the barriers and they were getting pushed back again. Now, I wonder whether it quite wasn't as organized as that when Jesus was walking through Jericho. Okay, there would have been people pushing. There would have been people shoving. They would have been trying to get to Jesus. They would have been trying to surround him. And... For, for Zacchaeus, as a small, a, a small chap, he probably wouldn't have stood much of a chance of getting anywhere near Jesus or even seeing him because there would have been people bustling around him. But Zacchaeus's desire was to see Jesus, um, so he used his creativity to overcome his weakness. In chapter, verse 4, it says, So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Now, the sycamore fig tree, we've got some pictures of that, is a short oak-style tree with a squatty trunk and uh, very, very wide branches. It would have been incredibly easy to climb. Um, that's quite a large one there. That's, that's probably about, they, they reckon that they could grow to seven meters in span. If we flick on to the next picture, you'll see... Um, is it there? Or in the PowerPoint? No? Oh, dear. Okay, never mind. There we go. Um, you'll see that's a, probably a smaller one. Um, but as you can see, the, the trunk's very low, the branches are very thick. It would have been quite easy to climb and quite supportive as well. Uh, quite large branches that were given quite a good view. Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. And I think that at, uh, we at Jubilee are going to encounter people wanting to see who Jesus is, that we talk about, that we demonstrate as we go about our lives. Young people that I see in my work often have the question, whenever we say, are there any questions at the end of an RE lesson, did Jesus really exist? So who is Jesus? What, why is he important? All that kind of thing, as well as some of the other more obvious questions that they might have as well about uh, environment and God suffering and all that kind of thing. But one of the main things that they want is, who is Jesus? Why? Why Jesus? 
People who want to see Jesus, people want to see who he is. There's an intrigue about it, especially if we've shared about how Jesus has affected our lives. I'm quite, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm quite surprised if ever I share about how Jesus turned my life around or how I found such freedom in him, people want to know, well, who is he? And, oh yeah, of course, you actually want to know rather than just me telling you and you going, that's a nice story, and walking off. Zacchaeus had difficulty in seeing Jesus because of his height. But in the eyes of the original receivers to Luke's writing, there was this kind of idea of, of, of littleness, of smallness, might not have been just a physical one, it was a social smallness as well. People may have read into that that, that Jacobs was quite small and lowly, and yes, well, he is quite lowly, isn't he? Yes, because he's, he's a tax collector, you know, and we don't like tax collectors. So Zacchaeus climbed a tree, maybe to get a private viewing. Nobody was meant to see Zacchaeus. I think that's probably one of the, the things. He ran ahead. Uh, the Bible says he, so he ran ahead. He didn't climb a tree there and then. He ran ahead so maybe people wouldn't see him. Just so he could just have a little look. How many people who are looking to see Jesus use a tree in metaphoric terms? They need to elevate themselves above a situation they're in so they can see and they climb a tree. Maybe Zacchaeus could have pushed to the front of the crowd. Maybe he could have barged his way through. But I doubt it because, well, we'll come on to why in a minute. But one commentary puts it that he had, he had a high camera angle where he was. He could kind of see everything. You know, climbing up a tree like that, you could, you could see over people's heads. You could see what was going on. Another one, uh, another commentary indicates that he broke through a great deal of difficulty to see Jesus. Zacchaeus overcame his difficulties and may very well, uh, we may well have people coming to Jubilee who have to overcome some quite significant difficulties to actually get in the building themselves. Now, I don't mean traffic, I don't mean uh, physical difficulties like that, but I spoke with a young person the other day in a group we run at school and they said that they didn't want to go to a church building as they just wouldn't feel right or they wouldn't feel comfortable going in. They'd said that they'd, they'd said a few things when they were younger um, to God and they were just a bit like, oh, well, I don't think he'd want me in. I just wouldn't feel comfortable walking into a building where they were worshipping God. But they'd go to an open-air service maybe or they'd do something outside. For that person to come into the church... I think they would need to have climbed a tree, in a sense. The social standing that people have may also be restricting them from seeing Jesus. So there's this idea that there's something not quite um, allow- allowing them to see Jesus, maybe, or they just feel a little bit like they're not worthy to come in, or maybe they can't overcome something that they just needed to do. And so what they do is they is they climb a tree, and maybe that puts them at a little bit of distance. We don't blame Zacchaeus for going up a tree. It was uh, it was obvious, though, that he wouldn't be able to touch Jesus or to shake his hand or to, to actually meet with him uh, if the crowd would have allowed him anyway. I think that we need to be mindful, maybe, that people may be up trees when they come to see who Jesus is at church. So they may have had a huge inward journey to get to the church door and they may just slip in the back and just think, I'll just sit here and watch from a distance and hopefully no one's going to see me. Maybe out of curiosity and hope that no one will see them, just like they're up a tree. Um, This doesn't need to be a negative thing. This is not a big thing of like, oh yes, we need to look at people's problems and difficulties. But the emphasis is here that Zacchaeus climbed a tree to see Jesus overcoming his difficulties and found comfort in watching. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Let's not 
forget that. He had a hunger to see him, a desire. The very fact that he climbed a tree, he could have just turned around and gone home and thought, never mind, I can't see over these people. Never mind, I'll just go home. I, I won't bother seeing him. But the fact that he climbed a tree, the hunger was there, and he had a desire to see this friend of tax collectors. The sycamore tree would have been quite a relaxing tree to be in. Uh, the branches were very wide, as you can see, uh, quite wide branches. And so just to be up there, Zacchaeus could have had this lovely time just being able to see and actually had lifted himself out of his situation. No one was hustling and bustling. No one could see him. No one was going to be saying, who's that tax collector over there? Quite safe distance. Thank you very much. See, Zacchaeus takes the initiative to overcome his difficulties in wanting to see Jesus. He takes this initiative to say, well, I'm going to do it anyway. It's like people, maybe people coming to the door and saying, oh, should I go? No, I will. I've come this far. I'm going to go in, but I'll just sit at the back and, you know, hopefully nobody will, will, uh, maybe not hopefully nobody will, but nobody will see me there. It's okay. However, it's Jesus that takes the ultimate initiative. And we see that a little bit later on. So we've seen that Zacchaeus, tax collector, not a great uh, figure in the, in the community, really wanted to see Jesus. And we are going to see people, I'm absolutely sure of it, who really want to see Jesus. The more and more we talk about him, the more and more they see us and hear about us as a church, they're going to want to know what drives us, and that's Jesus. So they're going to come in, and maybe they'll be just wanting to see but not really you know kind of thinking well maybe I just need to sit here and watch for a little while in verse 5 Jesus stops at the spot and he says when Jesus reached the spot he looked up and said to Zacchaeus sorry he looked up how many people in Zacchaeus's life would have ever looked up to him I always think that's quite funny that Jesus looked up such an amazing thing he was such a short guy and Jesus looked up and said Zacchaeus come down immediately I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. With Jesus, we don't need any introductions. He already knows who we are, and he calls us by name. Zacchaeus is not hidden from Jesus. He knows him. This is Jesus who was there before the creation of the world. He knew Zacchaeus would be there and knows each one of us. Jesus is insistent that he must go to Zacchaeus's house. The word here, uh, the word must in this verse is exactly the same word as necessary. It is necessary to go to his house. And we'll have a look at that in a minute. This idea that Zacchaeus, he, call, he looks up and he calls Zacchaeus's name, that must have been completely out of the blue for Zacchaeus. I'll hide up this tree. I'm quite safe up here. No one will see me. I'll see who this Jesus is. I'll go, that's nice, and I'll go home. I'll say, oh, that's who he is. That's nice. Maybe I'll uh, find him one day. But Jesus stops and says, Zacchaeus. That's my name. (laughs) How does he know my name? This is, hang on, this is very strange. There's an invitation to come down from the tree Jesus gives The acceptance that Jesus shows is on a few levels here. There's an acknowledgement that Zacchaeus is in a tree. He looked up. He ignores the lowly status of Zacchaeus and looks up and says, come down. He saw the hunger in Zacchaeus. He saw that Zacchaeus wanted to see him. Jesus then calls him down. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. Come down, Zacchaeus. He sees that and it's it's, it's this calling to him by name. 
And then he invites himself round to meet Zacchaeus where he is at. Luke uses the word today when Jesus uh, says today. Um, hang on, nope, I've gone, I've gone too far. That's fine. Uh, Zacchaeus moved from wanting to see Jesus to meeting him. It's interesting that Jesus was not just walking through Jericho for no reason. The beginning of this said Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Was he actually passing through or did he have a reason to come? Well, right at the end of this this uh, this account, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. So actually, I think there was a purpose to Jesus walking through that town. Actually, it wasn't a chance meeting that Jesus just happened to go, oh, there's a man up a tree. I think Jesus was out on a mission there. I think Jesus really wanted to go for go, go, go for that mission and uh, really speak to Zacchaeus and invite him along to what he is doing. And if you're here today for the very first time, or if you're returning to church after a while, or even if it's been a struggle to get here when you've been every week and you love Jesus and you're, you're, you're fully paid up, no, you're not a paid up member, but you're a fully, a full member of Jubilee and you just love being here, but it's been a struggle to get here today. I know that there's many sacrifices that people have been through to get here, even to get to being a Christian. Some of you had to lay down incredible things. And I really want to emphasize today that actually, You've come to see who Jesus is, maybe. Well, I hope you've seen him at work. The worship time, I hope you've really seen Jesus at work. I hope you've, uh, you've sensed his presence by the Holy Spirit here today. Well, today he's, he's calling you down from a tree. If, if you're sitting in a tree thinking, oh, I'm just looking, thanks, I'm, I'm okay. I really believe that today is no coincidence. That it's like Jesus is passing through Jericho today and actually he's calling us by name, each one of us by name, and it's no coincidence that we're sitting here. He wants you not only to see him, but to meet him as well. He wants you to meet Jesus today. He wants you to meet him today and where you're at as well. He wants the anonymous acquaintance to make way with a close encounter with him. The anonymous sitting in a tree thinking, oh, there he is. Oh, gosh, he is. That's quite, that's good. To actually, Zacchaeus, come down. Your name, insert name here. Come down. I want to meet with you. There are many people in this room who can share many stories about how meeting Jesus has changed their lives. Can't really go into them all. Haven't really got a lot of time to go into them all. But there are people here who will give the most phenomenal stories. Sometimes sitting down with Rob and just hearing stories of changed lives just blows my brain sometimes. And I think, wow, if only I could see that. Or if only I could see, gosh, it's encouraging. It builds you up. Jesus approached Zacchaeus, acknowledged him, calls him by name, and meets him where he's at. This word today... Um, it's quite interesting, actually, that uh, Steve Byrne used it in his uh, in, in his word that he brought today. Now, in uh, in verse nine, Jesus says to him, to Zacchaeus, "Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham." Today, there is a, there is a, an urgency to this. It's a now. It's a, it's a definite. Luke uses this so many times across his writing. He uses it eleven times in Luke and nine times in Acts. Today, in the town of David talking about Jesus' birth. And Jesus is on the cross. Today you will be with me in paradise when talking to the, uh, when, when talking to the thief next to him. Today, do not harden your hearts if you hear his voice. There's so many words today and it means now, immediately, now, this moment. Um, 
in, in, in some, some instances, it even means what has just passed. You know, so today I came into this church. Well, I'm already here. It, it, it's, it's this word. It means so much more in the language it was written. So there's an urgency to Jesus' thing. Today, salvation has come. Now, this second, Jesus met with Zacchaeus, and there was an incredible change in Zacchaeus. The approach of Jesus demonstrates a power to creatively transform the human situation encountered by the crowd. I'm going to read that again because it's such, uh, such a, a great way of putting it. Um, I found this in a commentary. It's not my way, by the way. Uh, the approach of Jesus demonstrates a power to creatively transform the human situation encountered by the crowd. So just jumping back a little bit. Um, in verse 7. All the people saw this. They saw this acceptance that Jesus gave Zacchaeus. They saw this love that they gave, that he gave Zacchaeus. This tax collector who's robbed of all this money and this, oh, he just walks around like he owns the place. He's gone to be with the guest of a sinner, they say. That is the human situation encountered by the crowd. But Jesus demonstrates a power to creatively transform that. While society was concentrating on the status of Zacchaeus. Oh, look at him. He's only a... Oh, look at them. They're only this. Oh, they're only that. The sinful side of his nature. Jesus' approach is more powerful and changes the situation like that. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to come to your house. That's as simple as it was. Zacchaeus, come down. I want to come to your house. We will encounter broken and hurting people in our church, in this building, in our lives around us. And we need to continue to follow the pattern that Jesus shows here. Acceptance, the acceptance of people. Do you know what? I know things are going on. I know things aren't great. But actually, come in. Come in and take a seat. Meeting people where they are at. Jesus didn't say, Zacchaeus, come to my house for tea. He said, I'm coming to your house for tea. He said, I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm going to come and eat with you. Not, I tell you what, come, come with me and we'll go somewhere a lot nicer than here. And, uh, and, and we'll, 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 you know, kind of make you, uh, make you feel all nice and at home where I am. No, Jesus says, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to you. Meeting people where they are at and creating an atmosphere where people can hear the voice of Jesus calling them. Jesus is able to speak through the voices of society and the church is a vehicle for this. Now, I'm not trying to say that we can convert people or we can bring people to, uh, to, to that point where, where they want to, um, where they want to follow Jesus. That's nothing to do with us. That's the Holy Spirit. That is, that is that. But we are the vehicle on, on earth for, um, for God. Let's speak this powerful message of Jesus, the transforming gospel of hope, peace, and life. And like Zacchaeus, see those who feel they have no status meet with Jesus. All we need to do is offer acceptance and hope. And through that, we do that by our works, we do that by what we do, but actually we do it by the gospel because that's the only thing that's going to change people's lives. Maybe, you know, I work for an evangelistic organization and maybe that's just something that just bursts within me. But I just long to tell people, well, this is what God's done in my life and this is what God's done in other people's life. That, that, that Jesus, that God would send his only son, that he would die on a cross 
That he would die in my place. The stuff that I've done, I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to live an amazing life that I am doing. I don't don't deserve any of it. But God sent his son and said, oh, do you know what? This is the rescue plan. I'm going to put to death my son and he's going to raise from the dead three days later and everything, all condemnation, all sin, all disgusting stuff that we've done, thought, said, now, before, ever, evermore, has just gone and wiped away. That is the awesome power of the gospel of hope, the gospel of peace, the gospel of life, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Actually, we need to create an atmosphere in here where that can be preached. We need to create acceptance, meeting people where they are at. So we have seen Zacchaeus's initiative and hunger to see Jesus. We're going to see people's hunger and to see Jesus. And the ultimate initiative of Jesus to accept him for who he is. The challenge for us is to do the same. We need to accept everybody who comes in for who they are. I'm not saying we need to say, oh, that's fine. You just keep doing what you've always done. That's absolutely fine. But there's an acceptance to say, do you know what? You will find love here. You will find peace here. And I think we do that so well already. Verse 8, though. Zacchaeus responding to Jesus' meeting. Verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up when the crowd were all having a go and saying, oh, he's gone to meet with a sinner. And he said, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So Zacchaeus, straight away, half of my money straight to the poor. That's what I'm, you know, my goodness, my life has been changed in that encountering meeting with Jesus, half of money to the poor. But what comes next is phenomenal. Four times back what he has taken. There's several indications that the compensation here that Zacchaeus gives to those he has cheated is ridiculous amounts of money. Under certain circumstances, Jewish law stated that one-fifth should be paid back in addition to the amount taken. Okay, in certain circumstances, maybe in a court settlement. And Roman law, again in court, stated that four times should be back. Well, that's only in court. So what Zacchaeus does is gives four times back without anybody saying anything. That is just ridiculous. That would have utterly stunned. I mean, sometimes we read these things and it doesn't quite, doesn't quite, it would be the equivalent of somebody who's cheated so much money saying, oh, well, I'll tell you what, just have everything I have and I'm going to pay it all back and actually any money I get from now on, I'm just going to keep giving because, um, I just, I, I can't be, I, there's too much, um, too much has happened in me for this, to this to not change. Not only does he give half his wealth to the poor, but he does this as well. He gives four times back. What a transformation in Zacchaeus. The man who used to steal and cheat, now giving away half of his possessions and giving back far more than was required by law to those he had cheated. And Jesus says in that verse 9, today, there it is again, that now, now, this moment, there wasn't a, a seven-week discipleship course that, that Zacchaeus went on to see if he wanted to become a Christian. That moment he met with Jesus. Today, salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus had been changed from the inside. His heart had been transformed by a meeting with Jesus. The acceptance, the love that Jesus showed Zacchaeus blew apart not only his own perceptions, but also that of society's. The crowd, it doesn't say, but I'm imagining the crowd would have been struck. Oh, wow, what's happened here? Zacchaeus changed, and today 
That's such encouragement that the gospel of Jesus Christ is still changing people's lives. Zacchaeus was still rich, and I think this needs to be said. There's no indication that he stopped being a tax collector. There's no indication that he just threw it all away and said, right, I'm never doing that again. I don't know, he might have done. Um, but Zacchaeus, there's no indication either that he, he made himself poor because of this. It was a heart thing. Actually, this whole idea of the rich ruler not being able to get into heaven because he refused to give away everything. Jesus saw the heart of Zacchaeus and was like, if you can do that much, that's in, oh, the heart of Zacchaeus had been changed and he knew it. He knew it. So actually... There was still this this uh, this richness that Zacchaeus had, but no longer was it gone. Was it got through deception? I want us to hear this message today and be really encouraged that Jesus is still changing lives today. Many of us know that here today. I think you know that's quite obvious to a lot of us through personal stories. Those of other people we know. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, then I can encourage you to talk to somebody afterwards. Steve, Rob, myself. Um, and come and know him today. How do I know Jesus? I've seen him, but how do I know him? And if you're in a tree, if you're just happy, just watching and seeing, I really believe that Jesus is calling you down today. He knows your name and he wants to meet with you today. And I urge us as a church as well, if we're going public, that we continue to show acceptance, introduce people to Jesus, and meet people where they are at. I have no doubt that as ambassadors for Christ, which is what the New Testament calls us, we will face difficulties for our acceptance and love of others. Like the crowd's response to Zacchaeus, oh, they're eating with sinners, why are they letting these people in? That's crazy. But don't forget that Jesus' word, his gospel sharper than a double-edged sword the Bible talks about. He will demonstrate through us the power to transform any human situation that is encountered. And I think that is such an encouragement to us today. That actually, no matter what comes against us, we sing it so many times in this, in this church, that if our God is for us, then who can stand against us? We're on the move as a church, and I really genuinely believe that this is something we're going to hear today. Just really quickly, I was uh, I was going to entitle this this talk. Um, uh, what was I going to? Oh no, no, I've forgotten now. Hang on, wait for it. Uh, all you need is love. There we go. But um, I didn't because I thought it'd be quite cheesy. Um, <laughs> but Matthew twenty two thirty four, I think, just sums this whole thing up. And maybe I've been talking for half an hour or so, but maybe I kind of we should have just stood up and said this. Matthew twenty four, uh, twenty two, verse thirty four. It says. I can find it. Uh, well, it's 34 onwards. It's hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. The Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert of the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets Hang on these two commandments. Love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus loved Zacchaeus, the unlovely, the despised one maybe. Maybe that's a bit harsh, but he hadn't stolen money off me. The one society looked down on and shunned and said, well, Zacchaeus is a, te- he's a sinner. How can you eat with him? Jesus loved, Jesus loved tax collectors. We need to love our neighbours. Actually, if we love God with all our heart, soul and mind, the second commandment is just to love our neighbours as ourselves. Welcoming people in. Jubilee Church, 
has, has got a mission to show grace. Well, grace, my goodness, how much grace have we been showing in our lives by Jesus? Restoration. We want to be a church where we do restore people. We want to be a church where we see the transforming power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit working in people's lives to restore and bring freedom. Bring freedom to people's lives as well and justice. All this is found in the story of Zacchaeus. We just need to love our neighbours as we love ourselves. So how do we do this? Well, it's about accepting people in. It's about maybe those people who we wouldn't really want to sit next to or talk to. I think uh, David Carr spoke on this not long ago. As I was talking, I suddenly remembered that idea of, uh, of, of sitting next to somebody you didn't like. And I think Steve also spoke on it uh, a, f- a few months ago. This idea of not sitting next to somebody who, oh, I don't really want to sit next to them, but oh, okay, if I have to, you know. No, I want to sit next to them because we're a church that loves. I want to invite people... Uh, uh, Maybe we shouldn't invite each other ourselves round to other people's houses. You know, I'm coming to your house today. <laughs> you know, I haven't got anything on. But it's, it's about that, isn't it? It's about not saying, oh, I don't really want to come to yours in your head. Come to mine. It's a lot easier if, if you come to mine, actually. It's a lot easier because, you know, your house is a little bit, you know. No, it's about saying, oh, actually, I'd love to come to your house. I'd love to come to your house. And I would love to sit down and eat a meal with you because there's love and acceptance in this church. And I think there already is love and acceptance in this church. And this isn't one of those messages where it's like, come on, let's get some love and acceptance. Because I found it, I know there's many people in here who have found a family here, who have found love, acceptance. So let's just keep going. Let's keep going with that. And as we start to go more public and we see more and more people come in, let's give the gospel of Jesus Christ and allow people to meet Jesus that they've come to see. Shall we pray? Shall we stand? Father, we want to we want to thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done in our lives. We want to thank you that for those of us who, who know you and love you today, that you found us when we were maybe hiding up a tree or we were just there to see you or we just wanted to get a glimpse of you, but you called us by name. And Lord, I thank you that you call us by name. And Lord, I pray today that if there's people here who don't know you or are just here to see, that you would prompt them and call them by name today, that they would have an encounter with you, a meeting with you, a one-to-one with you that would completely change their lives today. Father, I thank you that you are in the business of changing people's lives, that actually there's no pressure on us as individuals or as a church to change lives. We are here as a vehicle for you. We are here to spread your word and to give your kingdom. And Lord, I pray that we would do that. Lord, we would usher people in to your gospel message, Lord, that we would just speak of how you have changed our lives more and more and more. Lord, I pray that we would see people coming in, that we would see restoration and transformation. And Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you above all for this amazing family of Jubilee. Lord, I thank you that there is love, there is acceptance here that there is a family here where people are taken care of and people are listened to and heard and loved and accepted. 
Father, I thank you for this, this simple account of Zacchaeus, Lord, and I thank you that you have shown us a model of acceptance and just being with people and loving them. Father, I want to pray that as we go out of here, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill each one of us right now that we would be able to speak your gospel with even more clarity and enthusiasm and excitement. God, would you burn in our hearts today the excitement and the things that you have done in our lives so that we would go out of here and just be able to, well, just be able not to tell people, Lord. Father, I pray that people would see and hear your message, your gospel message. In Jesus' name, amen.